0: Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real-life stories from high-performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves.
1: Hello
0: and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jolly Jarvis, and today I am talking to two special guests, Andrew and Nikki, about generating inquiry in their businesses. So let's get cracking. First of all, I'm going to be chatting to Andrew.
1: So my business is, it's life-centered financial planning, um, which is very much a focus towards the life of the clients. We try and ensure that we give clients financial clarity Mm -hmm. and ensure that they live the most fulfilling life possible so a bit different from your average financial advisor we're we're not so concerned about the financial product side but it's more a blend between financial coaching and financial planning
0: okay and so how does that work um does it is it part do you empower them to make the decisions or are you going off and and coming back with suggestions how does that work
1: So it's essentially a three-stage process, uh, a very deep dive discovery meeting to start with, where we really get an understanding of the client's desires, goals, objectives, really understand them as people, uh, what's holding them back or what's not holding them back. Um, We then create a a roadmap from there, but essentially it's a three-stage process where we look at their financial situation now, Mm -hmm. where that is in context of where they're trying to get to. Um, And we do essentially all the number crunching. All the the planning exercise, and we create a a very detailed financial plan. And then depending on the client needs, to some extent, we will also look at, well, where are they in terms of their life plan? So we put it into a context of a life planning exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, We use some really wonderful software, which enables us to model their life plan, um, where they are in terms of alignment to that, where the potential shortfalls may be, um, and we essentially create what we call the what-if scenarios. What would your life look like if you were to do this or do that? Right, okay. Um, and then the final stage, essentially, bringing it all together. So it's, it's the final advice piece and, if, if necessary, any implementation.
0: As far as how, how old is the business? Is it quite new? Has it been established a while?
1: The business is essentially five years old. I've been in financial services for coming up 21 years but always working in a different sort of capacity to as I am now. So the way of working has actually been about the last four years. The the business is actually a bigger business than myself. There's 57 advisors within the business, um, and I'm one of the partners of the business.
0: And so from from your point of view, if somebody was to say to you why you are not a normal financial advisor, what would you say?
1: Uh, It's a good question. I think it's very much the focus about the life planning element of the clients um and and feedback from clients and testimonials from clients it's always about the the connection to the clients the empathy of really wanting to understand them and not not at a superficial level but a real sense of deep understanding about their fears you know what's what's holding them back why why are they fearful for making financial decisions
0: as far as like the relationship's concerned is it something that you're with them for a short period of time you work on it and that's it or or is this a long-term relationship
1: for many clients, I've been working with them ten plus years, um, but it can actually be a generational issue. So you can end up working with the the children. So you work with a family structure. Yeah. Um, my longest client, I think, is twenty two years. So I've kind of seen them go from you know <laughs> uh, they're relatively young age with no children to the point where their children are you know fully grown and and left the home.
0: So it's a real generational thing. It's like when, once they're with you, you kind of support them through the different stages, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah absolutely i mean there is a sense of the the life journey of that client so most of my clients when i first meet them tend to be of a a certain age typically sort of late 40s 50s um but but then thereafter yeah in theory it could go you know 40 50 years in theory
0: we're talking about inquiries and generating inquiries for the business and people really contacting you what do you do what activities do you do at the moment to market the business
1: it really depends on the, the type of client I'm dealing with. So I guess it's worth mentioning that I, I tend to work with three similar, but in some respects, quite different types of clients. At a very high level, that would be small SME business owner type clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few larger corporate clients, but that, but they're the exception. A lot of senior executives who, you know, as the name suggests, I mean, they work in that type of role. And I'm currently trying to formulate a niche of working with the legal profession. So lawyers, barristers, um, QCs, that type of Mm clients. Actions are probably quite different in each of those three categories. A lot of my clients do, like any good financial planner, comes from word of mouth referral. So I'm consciously always trying to build that side of the business. Um, And I would say probably in all honesty, around half of my clients come from that source
0: and do you incentivize your clients to refer you
1: no um obviously some people will do I prefer not to um, I mean i give them a small thank you acknowledgement but but not a financial incentive mm-hmm. um, so that's one source and I could be quite a large source I have taken a number of years to get to the point of actually having very close relationships with financial sorry with professional connections So working very closely and collaboratively with accountants um, and solicitors to really try and have that cohesive three-way partnership. And that, that works well, but it's it's actually quite a a hard way to generate clients. It's quite a slow burn. I previously used to generate a lot of clients through lead generation sites where you're essentially purchasing leads. leads. I found them really good in the past and had some wonderful clients as a consequence. And for various reasons, which I won't necessarily bore you with, it, it, it kind of stopped working. Their model evolved and changed, and it kind of went off the edge of a cliff. I've just started a scorecard, which is a mechanism of creating a report for a client and a very quick, efficient way of them creating a, a report, build an understanding of where they are, where their shortfalls may exist, and to have a a document of some value, or hopefully of some value. Um, But what it provides me is huge data insights into that individual to know if they're a good fit or not, Mm -hmm. whether I can deliver value or not. Um, That's a very recent initiative.
0: That's that's, almost like a lead magnet, isn't it?
1: It is. That wonderful word, lead magnet. So, yeah, one one thing, I'll be honest, I'm very... (laughs) Very slow at is creating this sort of ecosystem of products. Um, as you can probably tell. I, I um, just
0: like the name that the body posture changed and you crossed your arms and then you unfolded.
1: <laughs> yes, I you can it. see it. I yeah. It. I've had a, an ebook before, which obviously is another form of lead magnet, but I didn't feel it particularly resonated and it, it didn't really get off the ground. Whereas this piece of technology, the scorecard, mm-hmm. I think is a very quick, efficient way they can fill in. You know without any personal details in a couple of minutes 20 questions and really have something personalized to them yeah um, which, which is isn't a, hopefully a cycle of value absolutely yeah. and it's all about as, as you will well know sort of bringing them into my world then to be able to communicate with them in another way um, but ultimately with with the view that it's to lead to hopefully a discovery call
0: are you going to drive traffic to it are you going to have it there for inquiries are you going to do organically putting it out there on social media platforms or how are you going to get it out to the masses and let them know it exists
1: at this stage and obviously there's a lot of testing required i think it's going to be a multiple of those ideas so with with the the legal profession as a an example niche um i do have a lot of contacts deliberately through one platform through linkedin
0: LinkedIn.
1: so um potentially going to outsource that to somebody to actually run that as a project because i know if i'm brutally honest my my skill set is not on social media Mm -hmm. um but that's one option um there's obviously the paid ads which can be very effective if done well and that's the second option i think leveraging contacts through clients and professional connections Mm -hmm. is an obvious way to do it because if someone's completed a scorecard and they've seen value then naturally it's a very easy thing to say you know, speak to so-and-so or we'll, we'll complete this complete this scorecard, you'll find it helpful.
0: I think the scorecard's a great idea. I think that's a way of it, it kind of, of having something where you're not actively going to have to be there for every single um, action with it. So, you know, you can kind of put it out into the world, um, promote it. And then, you know, you can get multiple people sending it. I mean, everyone loves it, don't they? it's all like the passive income idea that you wake up and 10 people have done it whilst you've been sleeping. Um, And that's the kind of, you know, where I am doing the book um is you know I wake up and people have purchased the book at very interesting times of the day and night actually um but you know whilst I've been asleep which is lovely but it's generating that lead I haven't had to be present so it's not like you've had to go to a networking event or you know you've had to to have that individual conversation to get that person's information presumably you're collecting the email address with that
1: yeah absolutely so one of the beauties of the scorecard technology is that you can do that at the beginning or the end um and it's a split test for me to decide does that prohibit people wanting to do it or not i mean ideally you'd want the, the the collation of the data right at the beginning yeah. um yeah. But something i'm going to test
0: yeah i mean you're almost looking at kind of like an almost like an abandoned cart but obviously it's not a purchase. um if you can get that as one of the fields early on um but not restrict the access to it just make it as part of one of the fields um then whether you can get part part made you know part filled out forms um scorecards is is potentially one way of being able to then track and follow up with that person and say, hey, you haven't finished it. Um, that might be a way around it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the idea I had was to make the email address mandatory, because obviously you want to be able to follow up. And without that, you can't. And then make the telephone number optional. Yeah. That You probably find most people won't leave, but the option is there.
0: And, and the thing is, is even if you make it mandatory, if they don't want to give you the phone number, then they just fill it full of noughts or ones or they just you know do one to nine or whatever um sure and, and then just do it that way so you know it, it's yeah either way um that makes sense um, and then email follow-ups so once you've got once they've done it have you got a plan or are you going <laughs> to use emails to to do an email sequence there know. is a plan <laughs> it's
1: not it's not fully um what's the word it's because because we're still in testing of the scorecard it's not finalized yeah. um but there will be an email sequence there will be Potentially, and I haven't got this far, if I'm honest, but potentially something else that can be provided of value. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, here, here's everything all at once, you know, but to try and take them, essentially a step at a time up that sort of ladder of, you know, being aware who we are, what do we do?
0: Try test it as leanly as you possibly can. Um, So, you know, the hours and everything else that you're putting into it, try and just get it something out there, even if it's a, a job form, where somebody actually manually goes through stuff on the other end of it to give you information and feedback. um, You know, you're going to, you learn so much from that. And that's the thing is, is when you take away and you try and automate things too quick, you A potentially invest a lot of time, if not money into something mm-hmm. that might not work. Um, and it is like the Sarah Pong like approach on this, but um, you've also got the fact that you can get so much information. So, you know, somebody's misfilling filling out one of the fields um, on when you're getting it through manually and you're looking at it, you can think, "Oh, wait a minute, they're really not understanding what this means." Um, it's a quick tweak, and it can be out there. Um, whereas when you're creating something and testing something, um, the smarter it is, the more you know, the more exciting stuff it can do on its own. Um, the more you've potentially got to change, so it's not as lean, it's not as flexible. So whilst you're discovering what's important for that customer um i would just do it test it as as cheaply and as as roughly as possible with your ideal client i would be either very clear with your different areas and then different marketing approaches um, to the different three segments or i would look at commonalities and i would look at who's your ideal client um, and speak to that person so if your ideal client is a legal guy um for instance or go. um or go guy um a legal guy then speak to that legal guy then you're not going to exclude everybody around you um it's not going to be you know you don't it's not a list of things that uh, uh you know you can't come in you can't use my services if you don't tick all these boxes um you're not going to alienate them um but sometimes you can be too vague and then when you're vague and you're trying to tip too many boxes, if you're a lawyer or a vet or a doctor, and it's like, okay, so for professionals, um, you know, for specialists in their field, and you can go with that, okay. You're a specialist in your field. Um, you're not going to be, you're not trying to be everybody's, but they're like, Yeah, I am a specialist in my field. Um, if, for example, somebody in the legal profession, like footballers, they have a very short lifespan of actually earning a lot, they would have different financial advice s- support needs to to a lawyer, for instance. And so you would then market them very differently. And then what I'd do is I'd separate it out and I'd put it under different branding for the footballer as to the lawyer. Um, does that make sense?
1: It, it does. And, and I think one of the, I guess, challenges for me is that a lot of my clients that get referred to me fall in one category. yeah, And none of them are not in the sense of fitting that niche which isn't necessarily a problem because, you know, I've built a business over many, many years, which is quite a successful business. And I don't want to just suddenly stop working with a certain client that's worked well. But as you absolutely say, it's, it's having a different approach for a different audience. So I understand their challenges and pain points, which are arguably different, but there is an overlap. Um, But how you would talk to different audiences, as you say, is completely different because they have different pain points. And, and, and one example of that, which I, I guess I'm, I'm not, not totally set on, but my, my LinkedIn profile is talking just to that audience of working with lawyers, barristers. And even within that niche of a, a lawyer and a barrister, there are little nuances and differences. So part of me is thinking, am I being specific enough by working with both? Or could I be even more focused by work with one?
0: I am like obsessed with your ideal client. Like you can't get too focused in. I'm working with a client at the moment who is a very successful person in their field and their ideal client was all over the place. And I was like, you can't, you can't be everything to everybody. You don't want to be. Who are you talking to? And we've pinned it down to actually one client that they love working with and that's it it's like what what would that person do what would that person say and she's like she's I had a call with her earlier today and she's like oh yeah I've 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 done more in my I'm going to put this out to post obviously um in a little bit because she said I've worked I've worked with you for three weeks and my business has come on more in three weeks than it has in in 12 months the last 12 months because I'm so focused in the more descriptive the more focused you can be you're not alienating those other people you're not saying no I'm not going to work with you um you're just saying this is who I work with um and so you're attracting people like that you're focusing in on people like that but the people on the periphery are still going to want a a bit of that action
1: what what, one of my dilemmas is that there's there's a tech company which I almost by accident rather than by design have infiltrated I don't know if that's the right word but you know (laughs) what I mean Uh, um and I've had um lots and lots of clients as a consequence of working with one advocate who has you know obviously being very happy with the work she's just shouted from the rooftops and then suddenly there's dozens of clients Amazing. coming and they're not always the right fit and there may be reasons why we don't connect and that's fine you know there's a process of working through whether that's right or wrong um and you know there's a quick phone call to establish that but one of my dilemmas therefore lies and i guess it's a bit of a question is that those individuals have absolutely nothing to do with the niche or my linkedin profile and do I then need to find, I think you may have referenced it, a, a different, I can't rebrand a website because I don't have control over that. It's not my website. But how do I connect when there's a clear disconnect between the two? Do you have one platform like LinkedIn working with one audience and another platform like Facebook potentially working with another audience and trying? And-
0: I go with what's your preferred, you know, what, what do, what's your ideal client? Who is your ideal client? Who do you want to work with? And that's where you want to stem it all from. Your inquiries get a bit... Uh, and it gets all a bit awkward when you're not specific. You're not clear in your own head. Um, you can tailor it to platform. Um, but then you have got inconsistency. If that person does go on LinkedIn, but they do go on Facebook, and you're saying one thing on one platform, one thing on the other, it people buy from you when they know, like, and trust you enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and each person's enough varies. But you... talking to one group of people on one platform and another group of people on another would particularly in this area people are like oh you know like he's a financial advisor you know people it's finances people are uptight and want to make the right decision anyway if you're kind of being you know a jackal and hide of of you know not quite to the same extent but do you know what i mean you're not being consistent um, then you're running the risk of making them doubt whether or not you're the right person for them because you're not consistently saying across platforms, this is who I work with.
1: So you're intimating that only one niche don't have multiple niches? Because I know some people work successfully with two or three niches that are quite different, but you're, you're alluding that's would, not the best way.
0: I would say for an individual person, I think if you have different brands, I, sure. I, you know, I'm a big fan of, yeah, different, if you're going to do different things. So I've got clients who run one thing for one lot of people and one thing for another but it's done under a different brand it's done under a different Instagram it's done under a different Facebook yeah Um, okay you have it as your brand so you'd have it as your page and then you're like yeah I'm Andrew and I work in these two areas and that's very explainable but you'd have a page for lawyers and a page for um senior execs okay and you'd be like I work in, in these two brands but I would be very clear that it's two different brands that you go into and you work in both. And so you and then them. The problem is if you're going, I'm Andrew and and if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm talking to lawyers. And if you find me on Facebook, I'm talking to senior execs. It's, it then starts with an inconsistency. So you have to be, what what tends to happen is people are very much, I own this and then they'll branch out into, I also do this and I also do that. But you've got a very clear core to start off with. Whereas if you haven't promoted yourself on social media, I wouldn't encourage you to, to go with multiple sort of messages. I'd stick with one message, own that message, and then not to branch out from there. So when you say, this is my ideal client and this is who I work with, you can say that for the next 12 to 18 months, two years. And then once you're established in that and people know you in that area, then that's when you can say, you know, I also look after and I also look after.
1: Yeah, no, that, that resonates because I I find that about a quarter of my client base sits into that ideal niche. So it's it's organically growing, but it's very slow. And I think one of the things I need to, to find a way or a strategy of, of accelerating that and that that could be through paid approach working ads it could be through other sources there's plenty of obvious ways to do it
0: the thing is is when you think about it you've got to think where those people hang out something like linkedin advertising can get quite expensive if you can keep them on platform then that's brilliant but if you take them off platform it costs your fortune um if you fancy you know getting in front of a camera and doing a bit of education and a bit of training um then you could look to put yourself onto onto youtube the vast majority of your questions to what do i do where do i go what do i say Comes from understanding your ideal client. And so from that information, it all stems out from there. You have one ideal. You might look after three sectors, but you have one ideal client.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Does that help? That does, massively Okay. Thank
0: you. Well, you're welcome. So I am here with Nikki, um, and Nikki runs a franchise called Kitty Cooks um and she is going to be my sort of second guinea pig business today where we're going to be talking about legion so nikki thanks for being with us and please
2: do introduce yourself so yeah hi everyone i'm nikki Geddes. i am the founder and owner of kitty cook franchising which is a kids cooking franchise um so we've been running our business for probably just over 15 years i say we that's a royal we it's me (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, we've been franchising for about 10 of those really quite organically pre-COVID. COVID Um, COVID obviously had a big impact on our business. There wasn't really very much of a requirement for kids cooking classes, after school clubs, school workshops, etc. And we did lose um, probably half of our franchise network um so we're really looking to uh you know generate those leads um, and convert those prospects so that we can start building the business back up again um and uh you know start delivering more classes to more children in more areas
0: so when you say that you were um you were doing it more organically was that through posting or was that through word of mouth um how were people finding out about you and coming into your world
2: it really was through social media posts, so people just happening upon us um, and then they would be interested in um franchising or would just google and we would come up okay. and so it was you know it, we we generate a lot of me social media so we we've got quite good google rankings and and we were it was it was luck really um and obviously because we have been running for uh you know a number of years that obviously has increased our. Business profile on Google, and that's really what has been, um, you know, has generated those leads. We we did um, advertise on a couple of franchise selling platforms, and we've done that pretty much from the beginning, despite the fact that we, we didn't really get any very many leads, and we certainly didn't really get any conversions. Um, we just carried on chucking money at it, <laughs> as we do. So, so to be honest, COVID has been a real bonus for me because it really has made me look at my business and really made me focus on um you know on on running a business so um and we did do some facebook advertising as well um but Mm -hmm. again weren't really focused on who our ideal customer was didn't really know where they were hanging out so just sort of again Flung out a, a Facebook ad, but didn't really even have a customer journey, so um, uh, so really not very good is the is the answer to that.
0: <laughs> so uh,
2: Nikki's Nikki's really good at reflection
0: because Nikki is in one of the group programs that I run, um, and so um, you, you know you, you came and, and you had a decent idea, but it, you were kind of like I've got two avatars, which I was like straight away like no you don't, and yes. um, and so, <laughs> and so um, we've kind of homed in on it. Um, and we've done some work, but when I said about lead gen, um, you were like, Yeah, let's grab the opportunity and, and chat a bit more. So, so Nikki does she she's a lot more self aware than most people come to these conversations with. Um, so don't think, Wow, <laughs> <Like> she's <laughs> Yeah. You, 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 if you're measuring yourself against Nikki, you're measuring yourself high. You know, you were doing stuff. Are you doing any advertising now? Do you do any retargeting? Anything? No, nothing. Have you got a Facebook pixel running on your website still?
2: I do. Yeah, but again, I, I think I think for me the issue has been that I um, until recently trying to do be all things to all people, trying to be every person within the business, yeah. and I can't do that. So. No. I did my own Facebook advertising. I knew I had to put a Facebook pixel on there but you know hands up I have no idea how to track and 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 I think that's you know slap hands because what's the point of obviously paying for advertising if you can't if you don't know where they're coming mm. from and and you're going to follow up on that. So really it's just um you know for me it's it's guidance and pointing in the right direction and just really get getting me back on track um yeah. would be really would be really helpful so consistent
0: posting is obviously where i would want to start and, and what i drum into you. so at the moment the guys on the program i've got them um committing Writing to down. the amount of, that they're going to to, to 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 post every week and and you know to give a platform a decent test you want to be using it for at least three months to give it a really good test which fits in very nicely with quarterly planning so you can go all out put in that effort that you need and as long as you're sort of following what what's sensible what's what the guidelines are for the platform so if you need to do training do training um if you need to do some googling like you don't have to go all out and pay for training for a a, a platform but you can go onto you know youtube that's a massive search engine full of loads of information. There's a lot of information out there already have to, before you have to start paying for it with advice. Um, I'd obviously go for somebody who's well respected so that you're getting decent advice. And I would make sure that that advice is um, within keeping of, of where you feel comfortable. Um, so once you've tried that platform, when you test that platform, you look at the quality of leads that are coming back. You can do um, what I call two-step posts where you are saying, you know, this is the outcome. So Nikki's just created, you've just created some case studies, haven't you? Yes. Um, Or you're in the process of And So you've got those case studies as this person was here, okay? And people always remember stories. They relate better to stories. And also it's less patronizing than, you know, you're probably feeling like this. And it's like, don't tell me how I'm feeling. Okay, but you go, Sue felt like this. And you're like, oh, yeah, I feel a bit like Sue. Yeah, it makes a massive difference. So don't point in the spotlight at them. Point them at a case study, an example. I am a massive fan of using genuine case studies. Um, I just don't have the brain capacity to to make up stuff. And then remember, I've made it up. Um, I do change people's names um, so that... It's not like their entire life all over the internet, um, but I, I use a particular person, and that's what I did in my book as well. Um, and so you know, use that person, say that they were here, and if they're happy for you to put that information out, they use their actual name and their photo if you can, and a testimonial that goes with it, and be like, you know, this person was here, they're now there. Um, you know, if you want to know the steps that we took to get them in this position, then um, drop me a DM or um, comment below. And then you can tell them the exact steps. You can tell them we did this and then we did that. And then, you know, even if they went, you know, we onboarded them. Okay, well, what did that onboarding looked like? We provided them with the information. They started marketing um, so that they could, yes, they could go away and they could use that information to set up their own business. But even when you're spoon feeding somebody, even if somebody buys a course off you, um, the vast majority of people don't complete it. Okay, unless you've got accountability there and you've got check-in sessions and everything else, people don't do this stuff. So, you know, you are assuming a very small, very driven population of the Internet who is going to take all that information and run with it and become some sort of competition or something else. So, you know, I I wouldn't worry about somebody taking that up, but I would provide that, that sort of step scenario. Anybody who takes that option or any other, you know, once you've got that resource of a case study, Um, you can put it out in so many different ways, rework that content, okay, so that you are using that resource on a regular basis, just with a different approach, a different tack, a different focus on it.
2: So, something that you suggested to me, actually, which I I found worked with the case studies, Mm -hmm. was, um, so uh, uh, an inquiry came in for a franchise, and I asked her for a bit of background as to who she was, which she then gave me, and then i yeah. sent the case study back to say, Oh, well you might yeah. be interested. So it wasn't it wasn't salesy, it wasn't pushy, it was thanks for that information, that's really great. Thought you might like this information. Um, you know, Gemma who's been with us for a short time, this is what this is her story. Um and on the back of that we've got a discovery call. So that was something that definitely hadn't crossed my mind how to use case yeah. studies. So what you're doing there is you're talking around pre-selling them. So you've got that
0: lead, they've come to you through social media. And then you have pre-sold them prior to a call. Yeah. So there's only so much you can do over Messenger and something like that can be really, really powerful. So what I did yes, Nikki said we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and I said, Yeah, you can send the case studies. I've got a client who's doing this already um in um the kind of physio space and um it works amazingly because they actually they've got so many case studies because they go a bit OTT with all these things and um, that he's got all these different body parts. And so he just sends somebody um, a case study of the same body part as this person's got. And he might he's like, it might not be exactly the same injury, but this is the outcome this person had. Um, and it really does pre-sell them because you're saying this person was like you. They had the same problem as you. And this is the solution I provided in this time scale. And um, that works really, really well. The only thing is, is that obviously you can only pre-sell somebody once they've raised their hand and said, hey, I'm interested in what you do. Um, so you can use the case studies as, as a way of, you know, top level. So not necessarily providing the whole case study, but a synopsis of this person's journey. Um, and then you're able to say if you want the full journey, if you want more information, if you want to know the exact steps, if you want to know um, the, the process they went through, um, whatever, however you want to put it, you know, if, if you want the same outcome... Um, you're basically asking them to metaphorically raise their hand and say, hey, I want what you're offering. And that's what you call like a, a lead. Yeah, they are. They, they might not be going to you. Hey, I want to have a discovery call. Um, but they're going, you know, I'm interested in what you've got to offer. I want the outcome that you're offering. And that's the thing is, is it's talking outcomes so that then they're understanding people regularly. I had a client yesterday who was who done fantastic detailing of features. So with my program, you get this, with my program, you get that. So with Nikki, it would be like, you know, with my franchise, you get this. Yeah. What does that mean to that person? And you're selling them the outcome all the time. No one wants the process because a lot of processes are painful. So what they want is that outcome. They want the flexibility of working for themselves. They want that opportunity to generate income on their own terms, to be their own boss, not have to answer into anybody else. You don't want to go to them. You know what that will mean, though—that you're going to spend like five hours under admin every month because you've got to do this, that, and the other, and you've got to do your own tax return and everything else. Um, you know, you don't want to be pointing that painful bit out because that's not what they want to hear right now. You're not lying to them, but you are saying this can provide that. You don't have to give them stark reality straight away. Um, so that was would be what I'd do. Um, as far as um, platforms, because Nikki is you're testing TikTok because when we looked at your ideal client. So with Andrew, we were very much going, who's your ideal client? Who's your ideal client? Who's your ideal client? Um, And, you know, having that understanding, Nikki's got that understanding already. She knows that her ideal client uses TikTok as a resource. And they'll also use YouTube. Um, And so it's one of your focuses for this quarter is around, you know, being present on TikTok and providing resources, providing information, being present. Now, you don't have to always explicitly be saying, this is what I do. This is what I offer. Um, just being present, people you know, read the information, they find out that bit more about you. Um, you don't have to be always selling, um, you know, in your case, you know, we're talking franchises. You can be there, um, you know, you're, it's a cooking franchise, cooking with children. Um, if you don't like cooking, you don't like children, this is not the franchise for you. Um, you know, so, in, and you being super honest with that and ethical with that, um, means that you're going to get the right franchisee, because for you it is very much like dating. Yeah. You know, you don't want to sell at all costs. This isn't a product that they take and they go away, and, and that's it, no complications. And um, worst case, they want a refund. This is somebody who could be a nightmare ringing you all the hours of the day and night um, yeah. because their franchise still is still working. Yeah. Yeah. Having like an extra child, yeah. you don't want an extra child. You want a capable person who's good for your brand. Yes. And so it's very much a two way relationship, it's a very much a betting process. And so, you you want to attract those right people. So showing yourself, sharing your expertise about franchising, you know, you've got how many years, you've seen so many different options.
2: So I suppose, um, so what we've talked about, or what what we've talked about there is, is very much organic growth. Yeah. So when it comes to paid advertising, do, do you recommend paid advertising? And? I
0: do.
2: I would be a bit of a uh, can you imagine a bit of hypocrite. It's like yeah we run an
0: agency we do ads for people but don't do ads. no I'm definitely not uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you know the ads are really really great for people the problem that people have is when they haven't got their messaging right okay they haven't got their ideal client right they haven't got their messaging right they haven't got their route to market right once you've got your organic nailed and it's resonating yeah, that is the time to run ads what I would be saying is is, you know, if you are appearing well with SEO, whether or not you want to do, um, you know, paid search, which paid search is expensive, um, but the idea is, is that that lead is warmer because they are searching for that outcome. Yeah. What you get with interrupt marketing, so people scrolling through Facebook, is they didn't go onto Facebook thinking, I want to buy a franchise. Yeah. Um, they went Absolutely. on thinking, you know, I want to stalk my next door neighbor or my ex-boyfriend. and And so, you know, you're going through... And then it interrupts, hey, do you want to buy a franchise? And yeah. some people will. When they're searching, when they're actively searching, it's really, really sensible. To um, so, you know, you're going to pay more. But as long as you work that lead well, um, they should be, they should be more interested.
2: You then mean like a Google search then. So pay for, yeah. yeah. So every yes. time they search, they click on your ad, you get charged. They might not contact you, they might just be looking at it.
0: That's when you've got to get smart. So they click on your ad, they go through to your landing page. um, You would then be running retargeting. So once they become part of your world, yeah, they might not even contact you, but you can then retarget them. That's why I wouldn't, I don't, I'm a fan of using a range of um, paid advertising. And, And some clients that we have in the agency, they don't. They don't run a combination, it's literally one. Um, but you'll, you know, you can generate a lead. But once then you've got that, you've got the pixel running. Yeah. You can then retarget them. So you can retarget them using your Facebook pixel. Well, so I, I don't understand retargeting then. So what what does that mean? So basically, someone's come to your website. Yep. They've piddled around on it. They've interacted with your brand. Yeah. Then that tells Facebook. It tells a little pixel in the corner, you know, that person's been on your website and then they it retargets them on the Facebook platform. So anybody who has been on your website since your Facebook pixel was installed, well, you can put stuff in front of them on the Facebook platform. Now, Facebook is all about experience. And so the the thing is, is they want people if they've interacted with your brand. Then they're happier to put that brand in front of them than a brand they never asked to see. Okay. You know, like you see it on ads where people are like, why am I seeing this? You're yeah. seeing this with retargeting because you've been on the website. Um, so, you know, if that's the case, then people are happier to see it because they're like, oh, yeah, there's Alton Towers again. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm thinking about going there. So, you it would, would
2: just. So, I suppose then that. So, it means then that you would create a Facebook ad and then you would tell Facebook that you're, you want to retarget. Or does it just yeah. get it automatically?
0: So you have to set it. It has to be okay. set as retargeting. But there's, there's lots of lots of information out there on how to do it. Yeah. It's something that you can get somebody to set up. And um, people will do it on networks for you for, yeah. okay. for not a lot. I've talk, I've heard um, you but, what but what you do is, is you you do no like trust yes. kind of thing. So you do testimonials. You do the case studies. You do more evidence to push them over the line. So you're not going, hey, we're a, a franchise. Um, you're going, hey, this is what you get with us because yeah. they already know about the franchise. And um, so you're not cold trafficking them. You are warming them up. You are convincing okay. them you are the right solution. Um, but definitely paid advertising makes sense if you've got the margins, um, if you've got that, um, that, you know, the scope to do that. It, the problem is is it costs you. All your learning that you do with paid ads costs you. Yeah. Whereas organic, it just costs you time. With paid, it costs you money. Um, and it's, it's like a getting to know your ideal customer tax. And so, get to know your ideal customer as much as you can before you resort in paid advertising would be my
2: but I suppose advice. if you're getting to know your customer and doing those organic posts and you're consistent, then when you push out those ads, those people probably will be knowing you and liking you and trusting mm-hmm. you anyway. So I suppose it's a yeah. slightly warmer lead exactly okay and and then
0: also, you know, you have got the fact that um you know uh, building that no light like, trust with them um you know those ads can help you do that and and it can help you your organic can show you what works well paid so you can do paid tiktok ads um and paid tiktok tends to push you more towards your instagram yep. rather than straight to conversion And um, we have had a we had a book conversion on on tiktok for something like 39 pence which is considerably less expensive than what it was costing us on platform um facebook platform yes, and yeah. um, but, you know, it, that's, it, that's not norm. Um, the idea is, is you want you're tailoring your content to the platform with that platform you want to you don't stand out as an ad or else they just blaze you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. so you know, you want to start, you want to be in that that feed you want to look like you belong there. Um, and so then you would be pushing them, you know, you do see the uplift in your in your Instagram. Um and then you can get, you know, you get your conversions that way. What you can also do with um TikTok is you can look at what's working organically and then you promote the ones which have worked organically. Like you used okay. to boost a post. Yeah. Remember back in the day you'd boost a post yes. off your business page. Yeah. Um and then it would go viral and you'd be all excited and you spent about three pounds. Um well, that's what you can do with TikTok. Oh, thank okay. You are very welcome. Thank, thank you, you for joining me. Thank you. And uh yeah, the main thing is is to take that information, take what's useful and, and, and make the most of it. Once you've got that organic sorted out, then definitely, you know, do put that resource into paid ads yeah. so that you are you're not trading your time for your money all the time. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you very much. You, you are welcome. Well, how fun was that? I thoroughly enjoyed speaking to Andrew and Nikki regarding their lead generation. It was so great to speak to two very, very different businesses in a different position. Andrew, who was looking to move his focus um, to a different ideal client, with a different target, and therefore getting to know and understand who that person is, where they hang out, is vitally important to help him to understand how best to do um, lead generation, and where to hang out, where to find them, um, trying and, and creating a... A lead magnet is a fantastic way to get people onto your mailing list, into your world. Um, understanding the value you can provide. Um, what The only key pointer I would say there is obviously make sure that you are testing it as cheaply, as leanly, as quickly as possible before you go all bells and whistles um, and, and, and putting it out to the masses. So understand first the demand, the appetite for it, the pros and the cons, the information that gets back and the feedback provided, even if it's super manual, um, do it that way um, so that you can get a, a true understanding of um, the value it provides and the demand and appetite that's out there for and um, with Nikki, it was about looking at actually, yeah, you know, I've been doing my organic. I've been doing my organic a while. It's worked in the past. And so it's about replicating that being consistent and potentially looking at different channels and um, staying true to yourself on those channels and attracting your ideal client. Um, but also looking at when's the right time to scale and um, start using paid advertising. So real real nice spectrum um, of situations there and um, to share with you I hope it has given you some ideas some hints some tips for use in your own business as ever if you have any inquiries um, or queries um, then please do get in touch I'm using the details on the show notes um, you can book one of the audit calls where I can look through with you your sales process and see where you might want to look at shoring up or making improvements so bye for now happy selling thanks for listening to the selling without sleeves podcast if you enjoyed this episode please head over to itunes or stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review it's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it